This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Let's do the show, folks. Come, come, come. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Star Wars Report podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. Glad to have you on board. Welcome to everybody joining us in the chat at StarWarsReport.com slash EchoBase. Hanging out here in the snow. Uh, he looks like he's hanging out in the snow, that's for sure. He's dressed warmly enough. <laughs> joining me, once again, is my, uh, is my old buddy. It's Mr. Mark Hurleman. Uh, how's it going, Mark? How's life? Oh, it, it is cold, man. I'm mm. down in the uh, basement, and I can feel it. It definitely <laughs> feels like it's almost 40 outside. Um, <laughs> doing good, though, man. I, it's it's good time to be a Star Wars fan. And it, I, I feel like we say that a lot, but every mm. time I say it, I feel like it's true. It's true, and it's the best time of year, uh, I think. Even without a new Star Wars movie, we're getting something, I, I, honestly, let's be, let's be honest, right? Just as good. Just as good as a new Star Wars movie, it's The Mandalorian. It's it's mm-hmm. insane. It's crazy. Like literally, I'll, that's what we're going to talk about. I like. I try not to. <clears throat> I try not to encroach on Mando cast. Um, they <laughs> they do they do they do a proper job uh, breaking down each episode uh, bit by bit. But um, but here on the Star Wars Report, I have to just talk to you about one dude. <laughs> and spoilers abound for this week's episode of Mandalorian, because ladies and gentlemen, that was your warning. It's time to talk. Boba Fett. We have something to report. Sir, I have good news. Data brought to us by the Bothan spies. We can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. Boba Fett. See, there's a... <laughs> get it? <laughs> That's what he says in Return of the Jedi. Boba Fett. Uh, Boba Fett. He's back. He's back. Uh, and kicking butt. Kicking Mandalorian butt. I have to talk to you about it, Mr. Hurlman, because you're the guy. You're the guy. Give us some context. Your first impression... Um, of of Fett making his appearance in the Mandalorian, were you surprised? What was your uh, first reaction? To, to my, my well, I mean, I, I'm I'm locking in on this last episode, of course, but that question's so much broader. Um, when we first saw Boba on the back plane, there, you know, I mean, I, I had my feelings last season when I heard the Spurs. I was pretty convinced then. But when we went back and we saw Tatooine and we see him standing there with the uh, Gaddafi stick on one side and the rifle mm-hmm. on the other and he yep. turns around and we're like, oh my god. It's him. Yeah. Like, I, I squeed. Uh, there was a lot of squeeing. <laughs> like, in fact, every time Fett shows up, there is a part of me that just gets overridden with joy. I, I, I The fact that we brought him back in canon is definitely one of those like, oh my god, that gave me my own slice of fan service. I can't believe this. Um, I've always loved the fact that Boba Fett's adventure in Legends went the way it did. So, you know, when he died again in the Sarlacc, and they're like, nope, he's dead again. He's dead. That's it. Canon. It was always canon. He always died in canon. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, no! Dang it. No. There was such so many opportunities. Uh, but, man, there, there's... The way they delivered it, there's still questions that I have. Like, mm. why why didn't he go after the armor sooner? Why, mm. you know, why did he let Cobb wear it for as long as he did? But I, I'm looking forward to all these things because some people are really upset about the fact that Boba Fett showed up in The Mandalorian. And for me, I'm like, the second they announced that show and said The Mandalorian, I was immediately like, ooh, dude, this is a great time to address that whole Almec lying situation from The Clone Wars mm-hmm. where they tried yep. saying that he wasn't. A Mandalorian, and I've been saying that for how many years now? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm in love with the, what's going on in the Mandalorian, man. They uh, kind of I'm so excited. Well, let's we're going to dig into the episode a little bit, but I I felt, and that's one reason I'm glad to have you on this week, Mark, um, because I think you can put some context uh, for us because I, Dave Filoni is a big part of the Mandalorian, um, especially this season. 
uh, he's been cutting his teeth in live action Star Wars. I think all of fandoms really we're, we're keeping our eye on his. We're watching his career with great interest. Um, but no, his his role has expanded at Lucasfilm through the series. But I mean, let's remember Dave was the one who spearheaded George's vision, very alternative vision of what Mandalore and Mandalorians are and were in the Clone Wars, the uh, the the pacifist era. Um, and then, like Death Watch and these other factions were splinter groups. It wasn't. It wasn't the 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 epic Jedi versus Mandalorian, um, uh, Karen Travis version of the uh, right. of the mythology. But it's kind of interesting in that we've sort of. I I feel like they Dave's rat come full circle and incorporated a lot of that historical warrior ethos of Mandalorian culture back into the show particularly through this you know quote-unquote cult as Bo-Katan called it and I, I'm just kind of curious how, how you now as a big fan of Karen Travis and the um, Republic Commando series and the uh, you know the the whole culture of Mandalorians how, how you feel it fits now that Boba Fett the quintessential one is back in the in the spotlight uh, well one one thing I've noticed that I've been able to swallow more Mm. Is the the state of Mandalore? Okay. When when they first tried to do that, well, it's all devastated from the battles. I was like, ah, but there's the it was a jungle world. Like, so I, you know, I've got that legends. It still can have its thing, but now I'm able to just embrace it. And I think about you know the di- the different things they brought up, like especially in this last episode where they talk about the the uh, Mandalorian civil wars and stuff. I mean, that's basically loosely open seasons um, yeah. where we see, you know, Jaster Merrill's group and Death Watch splitting and then fighting and everything. So to see that, you know, kind of unfold at some point, even if it's just in backstory narrative will be kind of cool. Um, just having it thrown out there is awesome because, I mean, you think about that's the same thing that Obi-Wan did with the Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah. When we first got that in A New Hope, it was like, wait, tell me more about that. Wait, I, I have to know. Uh, and and getting that, I think, is an exciting thing. And to bring Boba Fett back the way they have and to do what they've done in these last couple episodes with, you know, justifying Django being a foundling, which makes me question more now because of the Mandalorian, if foundling in this term meant that Django was also part of Din's clan or if they mean foundling just in loose, just straight Mandalorian terms, the way Mandalorians from legends where it was like anybody we brought in basically was a foundling. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's still different aspects of all the different mm. angles of the culture from legends and this, that as it evolves, we learn more on Canon and it solidifies. I love the fact that Filoni picks things from legends. Um, you know, I, I always was, had the feeling when he was doing and, clone wars that he was trying to steer Lucas into those waters. Mm. But at the same time, he was like, well, we can't let him get too wild because he will restructure this dang river. And we can't really do that. <laughs> well, I, but I'm curious. So it, I'm, I just want to know, kind of educate me on this concept of, uh, of a foundling in Mandalorian culture, which they now sort of explicitly say, yeah, Jango Fett was a foundling, and therefore Boba Fett got his his armor, and he he sort of defends his right, even according to the code of, you know, uh, the Mandalorian we know, that he has the right to his armor because his father was a foundling and adopted their culture, which is sort of, it sort of ties a neat bow on that whole controversy back in the Clone Wars. Like, Jango Fett wasn't a Mandalorian. He doesn't count. Like, it's yep. sort of, it's almost, is it too convenient? I don't, I don't know. I, I could see the argument for it being too convenient. But think about this, too. If Bo-Katan hadn't had her conversation with Din, Din would not have given up that armor mm. to Boba Fett. But because he had that conversation and he knows that his clan is more a, you know, hardcore, you know, group, fanatical in a sense almost, he realizes there are other factions out there like Bo and, and Death Watch and stuff that take off their helmets. So clearly they're still Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, they don't have the same beliefs as him, but he respects the fact that in the end we're all Mandalorians and we're here serving the same purpose, which – it's just yeah. to support the way, I guess. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, if you hadn't had that moment, you'd have probably had a totally different interaction there mm-hmm. when Django is trying to claim the armor. Because I mean, for a moment, yeah. he's like, "Well, you don't have any claim to this. This is Mandalorian." Yeah, 
Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it really is interesting how, um, uh, I, I don't know how they've really artfully been able to pull this whole thing together in a, in a way that I think makes Mandalorian culture complex and interesting and not just one note. Um, like just the warriors who fought a bunch of Jedi and that's all they ever did. Like, no, there's different factions. There's different, like any, like, like Star Wars in general. And, and this is something that's right up your alley, Mark, but it, Star Wars in general is always giving you new layers to delve into. And it comes to factions and politics and there's just always, it's, it's an onion. Like Star Wars had on its surface level is your hero's journey story but the world building and the world is 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 such an onion that you can peel back those layers and that's one thing i think mandalorian has done done really well but like one thing i thought mandalorian this episode was um i think almost expert in that they didn't tell the story and i'm not sure how i feel about this Mm -hmm. but uh i'll 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 quote i'll pull this little quote from a new york times article you can read this whole interview with uh, tamara morrison um, and actually this week I'll probably on, on rogue transmissions on our, on our Patreon, I'll, um, tag on our, our interview with Tim Morrison and a couple years back that we did before we knew all this, but it might be fun to revisit that interview. Um, but he was interviewed by the New York times and they asked him, I know you're going to get this question a lot. Uh, but the tragedy that's the episode doesn't address how Boba Fett survived his encounter with the Sarlacc. Has that been explained to you? And do you know how the character stayed alive? And in perfect hibernate. No, no. <clears throat> um, and Tamara Morrison said, ah, no, I don't. There's quite a bit of loose ends, and I'm not one of those guys who knows much about the actual history. The fans of Star Wars, they have a better knowledge of what's happened. How can he still be alive? I thought he, um, I thought he was stuck in this place. I can find out more on the internet. <laughs> I, I, can, I, I can find answer. out more on the internet. That's uh, my. That's my. I imagine Tim Morrison just being like, ah, "No, I don't know. There's uh, there's quite a bit of loose ends." That's kind of how I talk. <laughs> oh, nice. Is that the they, Unleashed figure? The They've got a figure for it. <laughs> yes, Star Wars Unleashed. He used the jetpack. <laughs> mm, I. That's uh, I, I'm glad for those of you on the on the um, audio podcast, you miss, missed it, but uh, I think that was the uh, what the Unleashed figure. Of, yeah, uh, that, Boba Fett, big unleashed those big statues. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. is do we? So I guess this. All right, I'll be. I'll. I'll. I'll, I'll go there. Give me. Give me a moment to just just maybe articulate one of my frustrations with the Mandalorian and and where we are because I love the episode, but yeah, I, I have a I, hard I have a hard time with the 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 the, the telling. There's a lot of talky talking. Like it's funny because for an action episode that shows Boba Fett return and kick butt and and just totally destroy and then there's a team up and it's like the man the I don't know the Star Wars equivalent of the Avengers is like coming together to go save Baby Yoda right it's amazing I love all those parts but there's a lot what could have been a really compelling flashback uh, what could have been like. Those those powerful visuals of like the gauntlet clawing its way out of the pit, even just like a shadowy like cold open of like previously, you know, five years ago, <laughs> and something that explains who Boba Fett is now and what makes him tick now. That makes us invested in him as a character, not just it's Boba Fett. Because let's let's be honest, right? the The character is so iconic, you can do that. You can be like, Dude. it's Boba Fett. He's back. Watch it. You know, that's that's Next literally season, what they can be. It's coming. They're going to fulfill your wish with one character showing up, and that character is Cad Bane. No way. No Dude, way. Dude, think about it. Think about it. Cad Bane is the reason Boba Fett is number one. He took it upon himself to train Boba to finish Django's job, right? He okay. knew that Django wanted to make him the better version of him. Right. And we knew that that's where Filoni was going at one point with those stills. We saw some of those unused footage of of those scenes with Cad Bane and young Boba. Mm. So who better to explain it away than Cad Bane? Boba. I mean, Mm. you have that moment where Boba's like, well, let me tell you what happened. And you're just like, oh, like I. I just see that that's that's where this is going to happen. Let's make things a bit more interesting. That yeah. run in or any other bounty hunter for that much. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody that knows Boba enough to go, dude, I thought I, I thought you got eaten by. I mean, there's your moment, you know. But I mean, it's going to have to be him running into someone else. But right mm. now, we 
we're kind of hit saturation where I think if we add any more people from any other films <laughs> or any other project, yeah, yeah. the fan base, half of it's just going to be like, that's it! I'm done! <laughs> is, there, are they, are, this, is, is this not exactly what we've asked for, though? It's funny because I've it seen is. a lot of it, trepidation about, oh, it's too many characters from, from Rebels and Clone Wars and, and, and too much baggage. Uh-uh, bring it in. Bring it on. I've actually I've been explicitly ask, asking for this. But I there was something... It... it and maybe this is... I've only seen the episode once. That's the thing. I haven't had a chance to go back and rewatch it. But but he... It, it's so in your face. It's such a big fan moment. It, it felt like I should be watching that clip sort of debut at Star Wars Celebration and like the crowd going wild. But just kind of sitting in my living room, it, when I see Slave 1 round the corner, it's like I had a moment, but I'm not sure it was the moment that they were looking for because it's sort of, it's the lack of context. And I think I was looking for more context and, and that's just not what this episode was. This was not the origin of Boba Fett's survival of the Sarlacc pit. And I understand that. I understand I'm being a a selfish, whiny Star Wars. (laughs) So I get that. But I, I do think that there, there's room for that in the future of, of, of telling, telling us more and, or of, of showing us more and not telling us. Cause it's like, yeah, yeah, I survived the Salak pit. You know, it's it's. It. I don't. I don't remember the line from the episode. All I can, I remember the line from the old expanded universe from the Tales of the Bounty Hunters. It was like the Salak find, found me rather indigestible. <laughs> that was the that was the line from the book. I'll never forget yeah. that line. But I don't know, man. I I I loved it. I um. The, there's a couple the 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 fan community just went nuts like and understandably so it was all over social media it was by I, and you know this may have been part of my lack of of wow factor when i first watched the episode is it was spoiled it was spoiled i saw it is is spoiled i tried not to i tried to avoid social media and i literally had opened um twitter to post something and i wasn't gonna look at anything but i did that little thing I was like instinctively just kind of did a little scroll just like a little little crack hit of social media that you do, you know, just like a little bit, you can't help yourself. And then there it was, and it was one of those sort of non-spoiler spoilers, like, oh, I can't believe that, you know, the, that one iconic Mandalorian is back. Not a spoiler, you know, it's like something like that. But, uh, um, but they, rough. I put it in the notes, but they released this really cool poster, um, uh, I'll throw a link to it in the YouTube chat, guys, as well. But uh, uh, of of Boba Fett, and once the episode has actually came out, and they've been doing that, they've been releasing these character posters as the episodes debut, and you can kind of see the visual. He's his armor's beat up, like mm-hmm. it is rust bucket. You think he'll keep it like that, or do you think that the pop vinyl Boba Fett? that never looked like Boba Fett is going to be the new paint scheme. <laughs> the pop vinyl Boba, like, like you remember the one where it's like, it, it's got like the, the gold face in the middle of the helmet. And he's like mm. all black. And there's like all these different versions of it. And I'm like, that's not Boba Fett. Like, he didn't have his armor like that. Mm. I don't know. That's when I had to do my star Wars fan being a star Wars fan. I got to say though, uh, you know, I like the look of just him throwing the armor on on top of what he's got. Like, I mm. mean, I, I liked it when Cobb was wearing it. I like seeing Boba wear it. Um, I just, I like the pitted look of it and stuff. Like, I, it, it's everything I had hoped the armor post Sarlacc would look. Yeah. Uh, I definitely, though, wonder if he's going to change the look. I mean, that's something I've noticed with the Mandalorians at this point. Sure. Is they definitely are changing up their armor as often as they can or the look of the main character is changing a lot so i could see them doing similar with with fett but what i don't see is fett's being a character that's going to stick around post this season i i think you don't think so to help get the child and then i think boba's got other things to do uh and and i see if fett comes back It'll be when we go back to Mandalore, and I, I kind of I want to see him kind of caught up in things. I want to see Din caught up in things. I mean, how would you like to see a three-way runoff for Mandalore with Fett being <laughs> one of them, Bo-Katan, and yep. Din? Like, I mean, who are you going to vote for? They're all awesome. They all are worthy. Um, I, I don't think all of them would want it. I think actually only one of them would really want it. But, I mean, just you know, thinking about those options, and you think – 
when you first hear, you know, the title, The Mandalorian, and you knew it's going to deal with the culture, you're like, okay, Sabine might show up, you know, Bo-Katan might show up, uh, Fen-Ra might show up, you know, all these characters that you're like, dude, they could they could be there in the wings, we could see them sh- finally in, in live action, like, I, my brain just starts ticking away with all these options and, and opportunities and stuff, and I'm just, it's exciting to see the characters, like you said, leading up to an Avengers moment for Din and group, oh, God, man, talk about the dream team of freaking assassins right now. <laughs> yep, yeah, no, it'd be amazing. I would, it would, I'd go nuts. Like, I, and I think that's Boba Fett's role is going to be a little limited in the series because uh, I think you have to be sparing. Now, the but the real question is, is this a soft launch? Are they going to do a Boba Fett series? Do you think that that's something that they're trying to test out here? I see, and I'm glad you bring that up because one of the things that I hear a lot when I hear all oh, these characters are it's a bad thing, right? It's bad that we're bringing in these characters is that they're being marketed for their own show, and it's like, hmm. where is the example of that? Where have we had that happen yet? I mean, we haven't had any yeah, of these shows. Yeah, you are right. <laughs> you know, if we're worried about if it's like a backdoor pilot like they've done before. It's not exactly the best backdoor pilot in that like it hasn't worked or been announced so far. At least they certainly didn't do it with season one. And maybe they are. Maybe the season two is, you know, exactly what they're going to be doing. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I that's where I'm like, I don't know what they would tell with Boba Fett that they couldn't tell as part of the narrative mm-hmm. of Din's story from the Mandalorian culture side of things yeah. or even the bounty hunting side of things because in a lot of ways Din is basically Boba 2.0 he's the dash lightyear of uh <laughs> or oh dash, dash rindar, rindar yeah, of, yeah yeah uh, you know Han Solo's for Boba Fett yeah <laughs> he's Fett light mm-hmm. um so i don't know i mean i to me i i think it would be cool. I, I would be down to watch that show, but I'm still waiting for Cassian Andor, which I mean, in that regard, that was a movie spinning the show off. And like, I I'm down for more of those. We could think of some examples from the movies that we could see spin out. I mean, I'd love to see Snoke and me. Yeah. Yeah. Snoke and me, the, <laughs> the just as a series, that'd be pretty sweet. That'd be pretty sweet. Well, we could talk about, we could talk about the Fet all day. I'm not going to lie. It'd be amazing. But we do have a few other news stories that we uh, that we we can talk. And like I say, you can listen to Man- MandoCast for a full breakdown or Ion Cannon, uh, both of those shows on the network at StarWarsReport.com. You can find them there wherever you download podcasts. Uh, which, by the way, a shout out to the chat, Adam, working on getting them on Stitcher. So, um, but yes, uh, I do want to ask you though about since, uh, especially as an EU guy and host of uh, Star Wars Beyond the Films, um, mm-hmm. we got cover art and an announcement for. Uh, the High Republic Rising Storm, uh, and I kind of wanted to get your your reaction to it. Now, Rising Storm, this is the novel from Kevin Scott, which is coming out next summer, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. available July 6th, 2021. It's the second novel in this new era, this High Republic era of storytelling, um, and it's this, the sequel to what was Light of the Jedi. Um, and so it follows up the characters in Light of the Jedi, uh, and it is called Star Wars The High, High Republic Rising Storm. Let me actually, I'll, I'll show you. You guys on YouTube will actually be able to see a nice sample of the cover art here too. Um, but but I wanted to kind of get your reaction <laughs> and take your temperature now that we're super close to the next, you know, era of Star Wars and fiction, The High Republic. I want to see what you're, how you feel as a fan about uh, some of this cover art and, um, you know, it's right around the corner now. Oh, dude, I'm excited about the cover art. I'm excited about the premise of what's going on. Um, you know, and and due to Beyond the Films, I've gotten access to uh, Light of the Jedi. And I just finished the first chapter, and I was like, oh, like, you know. That, oh. I was excited for this era. Spoiler-free reaction? Yeah, spoiler-free. Don't, don't worry, guys. I won't what, spoil you. What is it? Uh, is it good? Is it good? Is it, uh, is the, it all right? The first chapter is very good. I was I uh, and Charles Scholl knows how to write. Yes, he does. Um, I mean, and I and I haven't gotten past that, but it was so good that I immediately was like, okay, you you got me hooked in one chapter. Can you do it again? You know. <laughs> so I'm like, now I'm about to go into the next chapter and see if we're able to. But I, I'm just the premise of what's going on in this era was something I wasn't as excited for as I was the era itself. Um, you know, the, the okay. hyperspace disturbance and everything. I, you know, I, we've 
tongue and cheek poked at that on Beyond the Films. And I think we talked about it here about how like, it sounds like there, you know, a ship or something blew up. And and but the way that first chapter goes and the way everything kind of sets things in motion, I was like, oh. I stopped, kind of had to pay a lot more attention to what's going on, dude. This this is definitely exciting. Mm. Um, and then you know, seeing all the other books in the list of of the press release and stuff, and then seeing this one coming, um, the Rising Storm, I was pretty dang excited about the premise of what's going on because it does kind of give you the feeling like the disaster could be an attack. Uh, and if that's the case, like, oh my God, but even if it's not, I'm immediately more intrigued about the disaster than I ever was before. And it's just from one chapter. I was like, oh my God, man, I can't believe that, that he pulled me in this hard. Like, I, you know, you know, how you sink mm-hmm. the hook on a fish. I definitely felt that by the time I got done with that first chapter. So I'm looking forward to getting into that a lot more. Uh, so, you know, I mean, talk about a golden age. You got the Mandalorian doing live action footage and stuff. And then you've got this whole new era of books and, and eventually comics and other kids stuff. And, and. Oh, it's just exciting because that, for me, the premise of the project itself has always been an exciting one because, as you know, I mean, I'm a big fan of the New Jedi Order. It was one of those type of projects that they collaborated on, very similar to what they're doing here. So, I mean, I I think that that's going to be something that's really cool. Plus, I think almost every casual expanded universe fan has heard of the KOTOR series, whether it be the video game or the comics, and both of which are well-renowned. So going back in the past like that to the High Republic era when the Republic you know, is at its height, the Jedi are at their height, and the way it describes the way the Jedi Order is functioning is very similar in a lot of ways to what we had in Legends. So it's, it's got that cool feel to it. But, man, I'm really excited because, I mean, you know, you got the Lord of the Rings posters and stuff. In a lot of ways... You know, it, it feels like that whole watchtower aspect, you know, like they're out there and they've got their little watch post kind of set up. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, I'm excited to see what the Jedi are up to. I mean, so far, I haven't read anything about what they're doing in the book. So it's it's all I've oh, got is from the publishing stuff that they put out there. And I'm like, I want to know more. You see all these different weapons that they have, all the different character models that they have for the series and mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah. they look badass. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think it'll be. It'll be interesting to see how successful it is because uh, it, it, it has to sink you in on that first go, right? That first chapter. So I'm excited. Once you actually finish it, I, I, I too, I actually got a, a early presser for those books. I know they, they come out soon in a few weeks right after Christmas. So that'll be kind of cool. Um, the hardest part was mm-hmm. they gave me three. And I'm like, which, you know, I, I mean, I, I know which order to go in because I've been following the press releases, but I'm like, do I have to stick that? And, and they said, no, you don't have to. They're designed in the aspect that you could kind of pick any one. But I was like thinking about that. I'm like, man, I, I, I want to start with the first one, but I got three of them. And then this next one sounds really interesting. And <laughs> that's what's hard is like, it's all building this era, but each one sounds awesome. It's like, where do you jump in first? And I, unfortunately... We're all new to this one, so nobody can be like, well, what do you like? And I'll just tailor that that choice to your preference. No, I, we're all going to find this out together. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's true. That's true. Uh, well, I, I got to hit one more news story here for the uh, for the episode. Uh, teased it in, in the social media earlier today. It's Kenobi. Uh, we've got some rumors on Kenobi, the Kenobi series, uh, starting shooting in January 2021. This is according to the Film and Industry Television Alliance. They've posted uh, that the hotly anticipated Kenobi series is coming to Disney Plus in 2022, and that's going to start shoot- shooting earlier than expected. Um, they actually... Um, uh, mentioned two locations, one in Boston, Massachusetts, and also in London in the UK, probably at Pinewood Studios, one would assume. Um, but of course, as a reminder, what we know so far about the Kenobi series is that, yes, Ewan McGregor is returning, uh, and that uh, Deborah Chow from The Mandalorian uh, will be the the new showrunner. Um, but that's kind of all we know. We we know that they've been going back and forth on the scripting and a lot of that stuff for a while. But uh, that's really that's that's kind of the li- the limit of what we know. I I know um, there's a lot of we there's the Kenobi novel that we had. We've we there's been the mythos statue. There's this sort of there's this mythological quality to what Obi Wan Kenobi was up to in those intervening years on Tatooine. And, and we saw that well, brief wish- taste in Star Wars Rebels. So it's it's definitely the pro- Star Wars project I'm most excited about. 
just to be transparent on it, like that is what I'm most excited about um, as a fan right now. So uh, I, it's, it's good to know that they are actually on track and, and evidently starting film sooner than we thought they were. Right. Well, what's exciting too, is you think about what did we have before? I mean, you know, we've seen and we're watching them do it with the Mandalorian as they're retooling aspects of stories and events. And, And you mentioned the Kenobi book from legends, but the other one was the last of the Jedi, which was the last of Jude Watson's young adult or young, uh, yeah, young reader books. Uh, you know, the first one dealt with young Anakin uh, actually, the first one was about uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan while Obi-Wan was still young. Then Obi-Wan as a master to young Anakin. Mm-hmm. And then uh, during that series, we meet Ferris Olin, who was prized to be Anakin's nemesis, his big rival in the school. And through that story, spoiler alert, uh, Ferris gets basically kicked out or leaves the Jedi Order over it. Um, so then when you get to the next series, the last of the Jedi said after order 66 and like Ahsoka Tano, Hey, how about that? He left the order. So he wasn't a Jedi. So he didn't, you know, die, but Mm -hmm. the whole premise of that, there is a, a scene in those books where Ferris finds out about Kenobi and finds out Kenobi's on Tatooine gets a hold of Kenobi talks to Kenobi and convinces Kenobi to leave Tatooine to help him save other Jedi. Very similar to what uh, Cal uh, was doing. Again, uh, if you've listened to our talk on uh, Rogue Transmissions, I haven't finished the Fallen Order game, so I don't know if Cal actually lives or dies in the game. So if he does die... I'm sorry. I'm assuming he's still alive and he's out there helping Jedi. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, hey, there's a, there's a good proxy there that you could use. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of that story, Kenobi, after doing what he needed to do, he basically tells Ferris, you know, I that was it. I'm never going to be able to leave Tatooine again. He basically lays it all on the line for Ferris. And what was cool about that story is when Kenobi goes back to Tatooine, Ferris chooses to do what Kenobi's doing for Luke to Leia. So he goes to Alderaan and he looks out over her and becomes like a royal attache to Bale and is her, her lifelong bodyguard, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, So, I mean, there's an opportunity in that regard where you know we could tell a story where Kenobi leaves Tatooine. Although I don't know if we need to. I mean, what would be so important that would drive Kenobi off of the planet? I mean, in the book, it was other Jedi. But I don't know if in canon, Kenobi would make that choice. I think he's sacrificed Hmm. too much of what it means to be a Jedi at this point to do anything but to look after Luke. Interesting. Mm, that's a tough one. That's a. Do you think? Do you think he would be able? Because there's other Jedi out there. Do you think that's something they would do? Uh, you know, that's that's a rough one because the the other side of that is we learn in Legends that Ashrard Het also had survived and was on Tatooine and was hanging out with the Tusken Raiders. Mm. Um, and they have a confrontation later when the Tuscans start coming too close to the Owen uh, Owen Lars farm. And in that confrontation, that's when Obi-Wan basically pulls off the mask off of Ashrod, dishonors him in front of everybody, and basically says, you got to leave the planet. Um, I mean, so you've, mm-hmm. you've got something like that that you could do as well. Um, but I, I would like to see Kenobi leave the planet, but if he doesn't, I, I find it harder, aside from the fact that I love Ewan McGregor's reprising of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I, I think he can do no wrong, I, I just don't know what we would be getting aside from possible something more spiritual about him talking and communing with Qui-Gon, maybe finding a way to do a force, uh, you know, coffee can with string to Yoda. I I do think, I think there's, (laughs) but I do think you're on the right track in that. And when you're talking about the spiritual thing, I think there's a limited amount of storytelling you could do for a series like this. I think there's a reason this probably will be a, a mini series. And, and be like six episodes, eight episodes at, at the most, because that's, I, I really do think that's our, that's the limit of, of what um, they can tell without, I don't, I, compromising the fact from a story perspective that Obi-Wan is literally there to be the guardian of Luke and stay hidden and keep him hidden. That's literally his whole mission. Um, and there's something poetic about his patience to be on that desert planet in that little hut. That little rat. Besides, right. you know, besides uh, happy hour at the Mos Eisley Cantina, 
He was pretty much just stuck there. Anything that takes him off planet risks that mission. Exactly. Because I was like, you you could do a world between worlds where, say, Mm. somebody opens up a portal and he gets to go on these events. But him even leaving to go on the adventure puts everything at risk. Yeah, we know that he came back. Yeah. But he didn't know. Um, So, I mean, that's... I lean more towards they're going to have to stay on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. But man, I don't want them to. I really don't <laughs> want them to. I don't like, I like the Kenobi book, but that was the one thing about it that I didn't really care for was that they, they were on the planet the whole time. But that yeah. one was a good story though. I mean, and I, yeah. What, no, what we, we, how do you, how would you feel if they loosely adapted that and made that the series? Just the book. Enough well, see, and that's different. the thing. So I never read John Jackson Miller's Kenobi book, but I, uh-huh. I, I, it is interesting to me that that you're telling me that they were able to um, keep it on planet. Was did it get boring? <laughs> like like being stuck on the on the sand planet? No, it was just it was more you know the the hardships of the day to day struggle and stuff, and then you you had the sand people aspect of the story. Um, <laughs> But, man, it's hard. For me, the the bench part Mm. of that storytelling was Last of the Jedi because he got to go on that last adventure, Uh, (laughs) you know. And and I think that was always the saddest thing about the Kenobi character was that after Luke is born, he stops everything. I mean, he sacrifices it all, him and Yoda. Yeah, Um, that's true. And and that was always one of the things about not seeing the Jedi continue after Luke. It's like, man... I don't want there to be a last of the Jedi. The, the Jedi need to flourish, dang it. <laughs> when the last of the Jedi you are. Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be uh I, I will stay pinned. Uh, it's it's not like the biggest Kenobi update, but it's nice to actually have some kind of um update and 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 just like knowing it's happening. And and the funny thing is, is as we're recording this podcast, this Thursday is scheduled the big investor call from Disney where they're going to talk about their a lot of releases, including Disney Plus, and I have a feeling we're going to get some announcements for Star Wars stuff, including Kenobi, Cassie Andor, the live action movies. So I imagine we'll be doing like a emergency uh, podcast on on that, probably on 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 the Patreon. We'll probably do an emergency Rogue transmissions um, and. Uh, get some reaction to that news when it breaks. Because right the, a, a couple days after this podcast comes out, guys, I have a sneaking suspicion that that announcement's going to have yeah. it, have been made. Uh, so I think we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that to get a final word on what's happening in the world of Star Wars on Disney+. Plus. It's worth a lot to me. As you wish. You know that sound. That sounder has never been so relevant. <laughs> oh man! Um, so let's talk about it. it's Boba's bounty. You know, uh, we're talking about what we've uh, watched, listened to, read in the world of Star Wars. Uh, something that's just getting our goat going as fans. Mister Hurleman, why don't you uh, kick us off this week? Well, I have secured my pre-order hmm. for uh, two Bad Batch Black Series figures, Ooh. Hunter Crosshair and uh, Asajj Ventress. What? So that was pretty stoked. Uh, and then I've slowly started to receive my pre-orders from back in July from Walmart. I got a Sokotano from Mandalore behind me. I'm sorry, I've when got- was the pre-order? <laughs> Yes, July. I'm still waiting for a bunch of them. I I haven't got the two troopers that are supposed to sit next to Ahsoka Tano behind me. I'm still waiting on them. I'm waiting for the Kamoan Stormtrooper. He hasn't arrived. Mm -hmm. But I did get the Mandalorian Loyalist, and I did get the uh, Super Commando, a.k.a. the Maldalorian. Um, They're up behind... Right up behind the flag yep, there. Yep. And I moved Django, which is now, if you're looking on the video above my head, and uh, actually, no, that one's Boba Fett, and Django's off to the side there. But I moved them over. I got a whole Mandalorian corner because I've got Din up nice. there. I've got uh, nice. the other, uh, John Favreau's Mandalorian character. I've got the, oh, yeah, man. I've been, I've been having a lot of fun. I love it. My Black Series. Um, I love it. I haven't got Cad Bane, though. Like, he slid through my fingers, mm-hmm. man. I'm I'm dying over here. Mm, That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I have been reading Star Wars, more Star Wars comics. 
In fact, that's kind of been my Boba's bounty the last few weeks. Mark has been, I caught up on Kylo Ren. We talked about that. Caught up on on the new Vader uh, comic. Talked about that. The new Star Wars mainline comic, now set post Empire Strikes Back. We've moved into that. Um, And then most recently, I've just dug into the Age of Rebellion comics. Um, and I read the first, I honestly, I, my brain is usually decent about, I literally don't remember the first issue because I remember the second issue. The second issue is shirtless Tarkin. Shirtless Tarkin. I, I want right. to say the age of stories all have that feel where you're like, what was that? What was the, What I, happened I, there? I literally just finished the story. Well, what? let me, what? let me tell you, let me tell you what's memorable. Buff shirtless Tarkin. It's... <laughs> It's not. It was a little weird. It was weird. It was weird. It was kind of cool. It's like him and the all the Death Star gunners, and he has to be able to mild spoilers, guys. But you know, um, the comic's been out. Uh, but he has to like do these simulations to make sure that when the moment is happens, when the time is that you have to pull the trigger, all the gunners have to like operate this big sequence to to fire the the primary. Uh, the primary ignition, primary ignition sequence, doot, doot, that one, right? To do that, uh, he has to be able to uh, uh, trust all of his gunners, and some of them are a little bit pansies. Uh, but <laughs> all that's cool, but the scene where he just like decides to have like a boxing match and rip off his shirt and like beat up a guy because you're supposed to be all scarred up if you're cool. It's It was weird. It was very, very weird. It was weird. It was weird. Well, well, also, they, cause well, stop like, and take it into context, though. Hmm. Think about, you know, you're looking at it in comic, and I'm sure it's weird, but if you think about the age the actor was when he that's, was playing that, like, that's a badass individual, man. I mean, <laughs> your grandpa rips off his shirt, and you're like, come on, whippersnapper, and you're like, oh, space- shoot. Oh, he, no, Listen, I don't know what kind of uh, substances that... <laughs> <laughs> that Willif has been using, but uh, man, he's uh, he's pretty pretty. I, I should have had the actual comic with me in hand um, because that would be that'd be pretty pretty sweet. But yeah, that's a good, that's a good example. That's what I've been reading uh, just on on a big comics kick. I'm excited to finish the rest of Age of. I have um and I read them a while back. So a, a few of the Age of the Republic, Age of Resistance. Um, so Rebellion was I think is I think the last one that I'm behind on that I'm catching up. But uh, it's pretty cool. I'm I'm enjoying it, and I I thoroughly enjoyed the the Vader and the most recent Star Wars line and the Kylo Ren comic. They're, Marvel's turning out more great stories in comic book form. So if you guys haven't, and if you're not in on the the comic book side of things, uh, now they're great stocking stuffers, and they're pretty cheap to get the trade paperbacks on Amazon. That's that's my go to. I don't get them issue by issue, but when the trade paperback comes out, I'm usually picking it up. Oh man, you know, and it's a good time if you're one of those like to come in late and collect things. Yeah. I did you see that uh the old Knights of the Old Republic with Zane Carrick, they're doing a giant hardcover edition coming out of that from Legends. I'm like, what? No way. Yeah. I, I, they're still I doing don't that. I need it. <laughs> but I want it. Yeah, but I I, I want it. it. <laughs> um all right, let's hit this. Let's 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 tag this email on our way out. It's uh it's from Brian Bodner. He's a longtime listener and big supporter of us. He says, "Hey Riley, huge fan of the show. Haven't missed an episode yet. Well, thank you. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Mandalorian series and how it's going to fit into the larger picture. I've been saying for weeks now, and it seems to be coming to fruition, that Mandalorian is going to keep the uh, formula of the story is the journey, aka the lone gunslinger in the outer rim, while at the same time." cleaning up a lot of other narrative issues Disney has created in the background, like Ahsoka looking for Ezra and Thrawn, Snoke clones on Navarro, Bo-Katan and the Darksaber. It equate, uh, I equate it to Jango Fett. Jango's role on Kamino literally shaped the fate of the galaxy, and he was never self-aware enough to comprehend or realize that. I think Din Djarin uh, and Grogu, I like the appropriate name use, uh, Brian, um, will, play, will, will be the same way. Especially since Disney, uh, especially since Disney may honestly need to remove Grogu from this galaxy in some way to save him from the slaughter by the Knights of Ren. Maybe he'll end up helping the Chiss Ascendancy. I don't know. What do you think? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the role that the Mando will play in the larger overarching uh, galactic story. And I, 
You know, I think, Brian, the, the way I can best answer that is what they've introduced so far with, with Ahsoka. I really do think the um, Ahsoka going off to find Thrawn and the continuation of the, those, that Rebels plot is the, is the greatest potential here. And I and I think that's 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 kind of always been the case because rebels, even though on on the surface you don't really, and I never really would have thought of it this way, um, but as I look back on rebels, I, I I think it it's it does it did a good job of sort of setting the stage for what would happen with Luke Skywalker and ultimately you know him the fate of the galaxy. Luke Skywalker versus the Emperor redeeming Vader. The the core story of the um, original trilogy. Um, Rebels does a pretty good job kind of setting that up. Like, even the fact that, you know, all the stuff that was going on with Maul, all these sort of side stories and characters left over from Clone Wars and stuff, all the stuff that's still going on outside of that core story, but could have affected it. Like, Maul could have discovered, you know, young Luke. Maybe he tried to capture him and, and turn him into his own apprentice and overthrow the Emperor. Um, but ultimately, uh, Rebels did a kind of interesting job of sort of linking Maul to the main characters. And it's not just the story of how the rebellion started, but it, it kind of tied into Luke's uh, story. And it tied into how like the Emperor wanted to sort of discover the Jedi Temple on Lothal. Like the the idea of him trying to root out Luke Skywalker before it was Luke Skywalker's time, and 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 destroy the Jedi while while the Jedi still remained in hiding, particularly Yoda and Ben. I think it, the Rebels did a good job of sort of touching on that story and laying that foundation. And then now that that story's concluded, there's still all these threads that Rebels kind of left, particularly Thrawn and Bo-Katan. And Ahsoka, um, that and and Ezra, that I think that that the Mandalorian has a lot of potential to kind of sew up. Now, I always found the most compelling parts of Rebels to be the parts that tie directly into the you know looming original trilogy story. But but man, I I I would be curious to see how well they could incorporate Thrawn and Bo-Katan. I think that's honestly, Brian, like it based on your email. That's where I think the the biggest larger story in the galaxy is because what else are you going to do? Like, uh, I, I don't know what you do post return of the Jedi, but it's still long before the rise of the resistance and the rise of the first order. Right. And, and Grogu is the only reason why the Jedi narrative needs to be in the show. Um, you know, I mean the, the whole battle for Mandalore seems like a, a foregone conclusion. Like yeah, that's where we're that's, clearly oh, yeah, going true, to end yeah. up. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, I, I, I don't know though, but when I think about it, I'm just like, man, there's so many angles there that I just absolutely get excited about. Yeah. And when I think about, you know, the, the way that they play on what we don't know later, once a story is completed, when they add to another story, when Yoda says there is another, we could find out that Ezra's that other because he shares a birthday with Luke and Leia. He was trained before Luke was. Mm-hmm. He basically was a Jedi and yeah. then takes and leaps off with Thrawn. So, I mean, you know, the question of what are we going to do with Grogu? Well, we know Ahsoka's not going to train him. And if he doesn't get trained by Luke, maybe it's Ezra. Interesting. I, I, I think... Um... There's a lot of potential there. I think there's there's um, I'm not as sure with Ezra because I don't think Ezra ever quite connected with the audience in the way that Bo-Katan and Ahsoka did, particularly Ahsoka. I think Ahsoka is going to be at the center of whatever happens in the Mandalorian in the future, or maybe the a spinoff series that they're looking at um, for a possibility. So. I, I, See, I, I think I think Ahsoka's only going to be back one, maybe two more times. Yeah, I think she'll show back up one more time to realize that she needs to help find mm-hmm. Ezra to get to Thrawn. And then we'll see her go off to find Sabine. And that'll yeah. be we're like, oh, we're finally caught up to Rebels ending. Mm. And that'll be it. And, the, and, yeah. and whatever they do with her afterwards, I don't think we're going to see it in The Mandalorian. Yeah, maybe probably not. Maybe that they'll set it up. But, but again, you know, maybe we will find out this... Thursday. Well, folks, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Star Wars Report podcast. Brian, 
Thanks for shooting us an email, man. You can email us, starwarsreport at gmail.com. We'll read your email on the show. Look at that. Just like that. It's that easy. Um, just like Brian did. You can also stay in touch uh, between shows. Follow us on social media. It's at Star Wars Report. Uh, that's for Twitter as well as Facebook, facebook.com slash Star Wars Report. It's really easy. If you enjoy the podcast, especially if you listen to us on the Apple Podcasts app, we'd, uh, we'd really appreciate a rating and review. Um, but really biggest right now that I want to plug is our, our weekly gathering, our, our little virtual cantina, starwarsreport.com slash echo base. It's a cold cantina. It's freezing, in fact. Uh, but join us live, starwarsreport.com slash echo base. Uh, or just my YouTube channel. Search for Riley Blanton on YouTube, and we uh, will be live streaming pretty much each and every week, leading up to, uh, well, the New Year's, <laughs> where we will probably be doing a live stream for uh, the Death Star explosion at midnight. So fun times, hanging out, wanting to build a community to everybody in the chat. Uh, JDL, Kurt, Adam, Julian. I'm sure I'm missing uh, Brick and like all of you guys who've been in the chat, hanging out. Um, appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. Join us. Each and every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. StarWarsReport.com slash Echo Base. Big shout out to our Patreon supporters. You too can support the Star Wars Report podcast and get some sweet bonus content. Our weekly Rogue Transmissions podcast where we're just kind of setting up the show, pre-show conversation and chit-chat. Uh, good times. Uh, we're always talking. And, and probably this week we'll be doing a reaction on the an instant reaction to whatever Star Wars news may or may not come from this this earnings call that we're expecting uh this week so i'll be excited to see where that goes so mm-hmm. stay tuned for that uh mr hurlman tell the the good people where they can find you oh logical rogue 2 i'm out there on the social webs uh beyond the films i do with jim lehane uh, used to do episodes with Nathan P. Butler. You can catch those all on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Nice. It makes uh, it's that easy. Super easy. You can also follow me on Twitter. It's, it's at the Riley Guy. Uh, same thing for Instagram, which is my favorite place to hang out on social media. The Riley Guy, R I L E Y. Uh, that's a great way to stay in touch in between shows. We'll be back with more Mandalorian talk, with reactions to whatever the future of Star Wars on Disney Plus is. We're just here having fun with Star Wars, making Star Wars fun, uh, and just talking about it like we always have, the Star Wars Report Podcast. Until next time, folks, may the Force be with you, and remember, many Bothans died to bring you this podcast. See you guys. Thanks. Next week, back here on the YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. And just like that, Doctor, we are off the internet. Woohoo! We offline. We offline. Yeah, look at that. Did the video work? Everything. It's, it's working. It's all working. I love it. Ah. It's almost like we like lubricated the machine before we pushed it out down the road. We did like um, <laughs> the soft trial. I, the biggest thing has been um, I figured out I don't have the processing power to do it go crazy, but I have just enough processing power if I clear out everything else and I and I set up my um, actually <laughs> um, I can't show you because you're not actually I'm not feeding you the video. Let me close out of uh, this and then let me uh, 